In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It was the will of the Lord to crush him, the prophet writes. He has put him to grief. These words, though familiar to us, speak of one of the greatest mysteries given to man. God laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. Neither the scourging that marred his body, nor the crowning with thorns, nor the crucifixion itself happened by chance, as if Jesus had been in the wrong place at the wrong time, or had finally run afoul of powers greater than he. No, this redemption God had in mind from before the foundation of the world. For seeing how man would be led away from him, and thus by the eternal law be eternally damned, he and his son determined a course by which the eternal law would be fulfilled while mankind might be restored. The Father laid upon his most beloved Son the iniquity of us all, and the Son willingly received from his Father's hand the iniquity of us all. That the demands of the eternal law might fall upon him who could bear it, and rise from it, that God might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and it is precisely by his stripes, by his wounds, that we are healed, brought back to God. It was the will of the Lord to crush him he has put him to grief, the prophet writes. But then the line he pens next is stranger still. When his soul makes an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring. What does this mean? We know from the scriptures that our Lord was without children of his own. So why does the prophet mention offspring? And why does the prophet indicate that it is precisely when his soul makes an offering for sin that he shall see his offspring. There's a way in which John's gospel answers this question, though the answer itself is no less filled with mystery. When Jesus was on the cross, John tells us that he saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. He said to his mother, woman, Behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. Our fallen ears do something that the word itself does not do. When Jesus says woman, we simply hear Mary. And when Jesus speaks to the disciple, we simply hear John. But in fact, Jesus does not say, Mary, behold your son. John, behold your mother. He says, woman, behold your son. And he says to the disciple, behold your mother. It is Mary, but more than Mary. And John, but more than John, that we are to see. According to the words themselves, the woman receives the disciple as her son or in the language of the prophet, as her offspring. 
but we haven't yet solved the riddle. When his soul makes an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring, the prophet says. Earlier, in the evening before his crucifixion, Jesus had spoken of the woman. Most English translations have Jesus saying, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow. But what Jesus actually says is, the woman, when she is giving birth, has sorrow. Sorrow is a strange word for describing a woman in labor, pain, difficulty, tribulation, yes, but not sorrow. As some commentators note, this doesn't seem like the right word. And yet it is no coincidence that sorrow is precisely what the woman has as she stands beside the cross, as Jesus says to her, woman, behold your son. Our Lord's use of the word woman takes our minds back to the first who was called woman, the woman in Eden who stood by a tree, delighting in what her eyes saw and all her offspring became heirs of death. And now we see a new woman standing by a tree, weeping for what her eyes see, and all her offspring become heirs of life. The disciple of Jesus becomes her immortal son. All disciples become her immortal sons. Thus we see a new Eve, a true mother of all the living. Where then is the new Adam, the new man? Earlier, in the evening before his crucifixion, Jesus had led his disciples to a garden. It was in the Garden of Eden that God had said to the first man, to Adam, Cursed is the ground because of you, in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Sweat and thorns. In the garden our Lord's sweat became as great drops of blood. And as he was led out before Pilate, he was crowned in thorns. Then Pilate, not knowing the full weight of what it was that he was saying, said, Ece homo, hedu ha anthropos. Behold, the man. And at last the pieces come together, hanging from a tree, for it was on a tree that sin began, is the new man standing next to the tree, for it was next to the tree that the first woman stood, is the new woman. And who is their offspring? Born, as John himself writes, born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And who is that? John, of course, but more than John. You, 
Are you not his disciple? Are you not the one whom he loves? At the cross, the disciple becomes a son. And thus we all become offspring of the new woman and the new man. Offspring of the virgin woman and the virgin man. When his soul makes an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring. When his soul makes an offering for sin, his disciples become his everlasting sons. And thus we come to better understand that scripture, which says he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Is he who is our everlasting father not also a son to us? He is. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Is he who is our son not also a husband to us? He is. He calls himself the bridegroom and the church his holy bride. Is he who is our husband not also a brother to us? He is. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, he says, is my brother and sister. Is he who is our brother not also a master to us? He is. A slave is not greater than his master, he said. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Is he who is our master not also a servant to us? He is. I came not to be served, but to serve, he said. Is he who is our servant not also a friend to us? Yes, he is. Love has no greater than this, that one would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is to you, father, son, husband, brother, master, servant, and friend. Is that not a kind of contradiction? It is not. Because before the foundation of the world, he loved you. And thus these relationships were created and formed precisely so that in time you would come to know who he is and the many and various ways in which he loves you. And thus it is no surprise that these created forms all dissolve back into him. For he is all in all, and he is love. Lord Jesus, to whom shall I turn but to you? You alone know all things about me. You know my hidden faults and my secret sins. You know every evil thing that I have ever thought, said, or done. And yet you do not abandon me. All others would forsake me if they saw me as I truly am. They would turn away in hatred and disgust. Indeed, my own heart condemns me. And yet you do not. My sin is ever before you. My ways are known to you. You have a greater understanding of my wickedness than even I do. Yet you die for me and lay down your priceless life for my worthless life. When I consider the rebelliousness 
of my thoughts, I know that if I had been there, I would have spit at you and hurled insults. When I consider the evil of my mouth and members, I know that I would have jeered at you and struck you in spite. When I consider the depravity of my deeds and my own blinding self-righteousness, I know that I would have driven the scourges into your flesh and the nails into your hands and your feet. O Lord Jesus, you know who I am, yet you love me still. You forgive me. You cleanse me with your own blood. You blot out all my iniquities. You make me the object of your infinite love. And impossibly, you create in me a clean heart. Impossibly, you renew in me a right spirit. For with man these things are impossible, but they are not impossible for you. And thus, in the midst of all the sin and death and despair that is within me, there is something, someone, new. In purest love, you look down from the cross and call me your son. As your soul makes an offering for sin, I become your offspring. In purest love, you make me new. Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. A bruised reed you will not break, a smoldering wick you will not put out, for you are love. And through this valley and shadow of death, you lead me. You say, whoever comes to you, you will never cast away. And so I come, forsaking myself and all that I am. I am yours. Save me. Dear brothers and sisters, on this day of our Lord's great passion, on this day of our Lord's great love, we poor sinners do indeed become his sons, sons of the everlasting Father, sons of the new man. When his soul makes an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring from the cross. He looked down at the disciple whom he loved, and he saw you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.